All right, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you today, God. We glorify your holy name, Father. We thank you for your word, O King of glory, God. We thank you, Jehovah God, because you've been speaking to us, O God. You continue to speak to us, O God. You continue to give us instructions in everything that we should do, O God. And today, Father, as we hear your word, O King of glory, I pray that you, we may open our hearts, we may open our minds, O God, to hear what you have for each of us individually, God. There's so much noise around us, O King of glory, God, and it's, it is hard sometimes to hear you, God. But we pray, Father, that you may quiet our spirit, you may quiet our hearts, O God, so that, God, we can hear from you today, today, O God. I pray, Father, that you may move me out of the way completely, Lord, so you can speak to your people, O King of glory. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are continuing with the book of Colossians, and today we're going to be looking at Colossians 2, 8 to 10. So starting there at 8. See to it that no one carries you off as spoils or make you uh, yourself captive by the so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fancies, and plain nonsense, following human traditions, men ideas of material rather than the spiritual world, just crude notions following the rudimentary and elementary teaching of the universe and disregarding the teaching of Christ, the Messiah. For in him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continued to dwell in the bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. And you are in him, made full, full and having come to full uh, to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual uh, uh, stature. And he is the head of all rules and authority of every angelical principality and power. So in this verse here, Paul is telling the Colossian church not to be deceived. To de- be deceived by the philosophy and the deceit according to the tradition of men. So pretty much what Paul is telling them is, there is the God things, the things that God speaks and the things that God has written in the Bible that are known. But there is also philosophies of the tradition of men. So pretty much what, what's going on is there are these things that sound like they are very good education because philosophy is the knowledge and all this, and they are trying to add onto the Word of God, even though the Bible tells us that we should not add or remove anything from the Word of God. So he's telling them, be aware that there are things like these that are going to happen. These deceits or misrepresentation of the truth are aimed to corrupt the core belief of this Christian group. Because they know that the, these people, they know that when they come to them, they're not going to try and tell them, oh, you cannot read your Bible. Oh, you cannot pray to God. Oh, you cannot do all these things. They know that those people are going to push back. But if they start introducing little things here and there that corrupts the word of God, then before long, they can realize that they are already walking away from God. So they are really trying to get them out of the way. They want to erode the truth and replace it with the basic principles of the world, not according to what Christ says. And, and when you look at the things that you look at the world today, we've come to that point. We've come to that point where we know what the Bible says. We know what God has said. But down the road, for some reason, we started introducing little philosophies, little knowledge here, little knowledge. And before long, we veered a little bit more than two degrees. Now we are 10 degrees, and then we are so far away from God that we don't even remember what, God, what, what, God, what the Word of God says. And if we do, we are quick to ignore that and to continue to do what we want to do. And so that's what exactly Paul is telling them. He's saying that you, you have to make sure that... None, none, of these, uh, tra- none of these traditions of men erodes the truth uh, of God. 
I like what he says that no one carries you as spoils. So if you think about that word, he's saying that when you guys get into this point where you are learning all these things that are not godly or you are allowing things that are not of God, you are allowing things that, 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 that literally corrupts the word of God, you will be carried out at spoils. And when you think about the spoils is when the army went out and, and they, defeated the, they defeated the army, they defeated the villages, they took their possession. And so I think what Paul is telling them is, Make sure that you are valuable because you are valuable. Make sure that you are valuable because you are valuable in Christ. Make sure that these things don't diminish or destroy your value in Christ. He calls them plain nonsense, things that are man-made. And we are a generation that think that we have so much knowledge. We have so many good things going on for us. But if those things are really not based on Christ, then they are pure, they are pure um, plain nonsense. And he's talking about following the elementary teaching of the world. Again, talking about we think we know. We feel that we have all this knowledge that is outside Christ. But to Christ, he's looking at those things and he's saying these are very elementary. Because, you know, you, if you seek God, there is vast that needs to be done. We have to be very careful that we do not put our traditions before God. We have to be very careful that we do not put our tradition before God. We are Christians first. We are Christians first before anything else. But I know that, especially in these times that we live, we are so quick to say who we are and defend who we are that we forget that we are Christians first. And there are things that come there. Matthew 15.2 says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees who, are, who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered to them, why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? And that's what's happening. We are so quick to look at the outside of the cup. We are so to look at to, to look at to look at the outside and say, "Oh, why are you guys behaving this way? Why are you guys doing this?" But then we are not willing to reflect on our hearts and see the things that we are missing as Christians, the core things that make us God to to follow God. See, there is nothing wrong with philosophy at all. The issue comes in when we are not planted in Christ and we end up swaying in any direction that the wind blows us. That's the biggest issue. Today, if we are not planted, it doesn't matter what happened. You will be swaying on right. The wind comes to go left, you're going to be going to the left. The wind comes, you're going to be going to the right. It doesn't matter what happened. And that's the issue. Philosophy and knowledge is good. It's God-given. But the thing is, if we are not planted in Christ, then really we are slavery to the philosophy that we have. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking. And we think about that, I think about the spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel should be one of the easiest things to do because it's, it's Christ died for me, his blood cleansed me, and I'm called to be a servant. But yet, what has happened is we've come to a point in our lives where there's all these feelers we want to package Christ and put him in a, in a more desirable package. And that's what pre, I, pretty much I think that's what Paul is saying. He's saying those are high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking. Because we think if we can take Christ and package with all these, whether it's this, whatever you are, fill in the gap. We want to take those and, 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 and make Christ look more desirable. That is not your work. Christ can stand on his own. He is pure. He doesn't need you to, to, to add any fillers. First Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, 
Guard what you've committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and the idle babbling and tra- contradiction of what is fa- falsely called knowledge. Listen to that. He's telling Timothy, is like, avoid profane and idle babbling. That is just talking without thinking. That's just talking, thinking that we know. And he's saying, because, uh, and contradicting what is, uh, of what is false called knowledge. We have to be careful. Paul is writing Timothy and says, though he trusts him, he's challenging Timothy to, 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 to distinguish between what comes from God and what comes from man. We have to be a generation that distinguishes between what comes from God and what comes from the man. What are some of the basic principles of the world that Paul was talking to the Colossian church? He's saying some of the uh, groups there, they're saying that God was a pure spirit and, and, and so there was no way he would have a relationship with, with man. And, and, and so they were saying, oh, we needed, it allowed them to use medium, mediums and to use all these other spiritual things that were not godly. Um, also, they, they believed that the part of the story was they, they didn't believe the creation story. And so for them, they decided that the best way for them to, to know this was to get the knowledge. They had to get more knowledge as a way for salvation. Another thing is they ignored the responsibility because of, uh, done by the body because they thought that the Christ, Christ was never in a bodily form, like Jesus never came in a, in a bodily form. And unfortunately, we can see most of these things in our current, in our current culture. Even though we don't come say Christ never came, well, you might hear some people do that. But the way we carry ourselves, the way we behave, the way that we talk, the way that we believe what God is doing, because I can be talking to you and telling you, God is able to do this, this thing, and he's mighty because his word says that. But then in, in essence, you're like, oh, I don't think God can do that. Oh, well, you don't know my life. Let me tell you about my life, man. You don't know my life. My life is this. My life is this. And the statement started like, let me tell you what God can do. But yet we are able to see, oh, this is past the no- Because of our own understanding, our own knowledge, we think that God cannot be able to do it. And even though we are, we are, we are, we are saying it. People have become lovers of themselves, giving ear to new doctrines of what the world should look like. Look at the, look at the, the church experience. Look at what we are doing for the church. Not us with the victory. We continue to preach God and we, we continue to make it as authentic as, as possible so the Holy Spirit can come and take care. But how many other places out there are doing everything to bring an experience to you? You as the person who's listening. Instead of really knowing that we are coming before God every single day and worshiping Him. When we come to church on Sunday, we are setting that day apart and saying, God, we want to worship you because of what you've already done. We want to worship you because, Lord, we would not be here if it wasn't for you. That's what we are supposed to be. It's not supposed to be an experience where we go and joy. It shouldn't be an experience where, oh, I cannot stand those songs they are singing. We should be able to worship God. Oh, I can't stand that, that preacher. I'll wait until the other preacher comes in and preach. It's the word of God. It shouldn't matter how it comes in. Because those are things that we as human beings have taken as our own knowledge. And that's not God's knowledge. Mark 7, 7, 10, it says, We wash the cup on the outside, but refuse the power of Christ to transform us on the inside. I have a question for you today. What does the world see and what do you see? What does the world seek and what do you seek? Because that's, that's my biggest question. When, when you see like right now with all the things that are going on, um, 
in, in, this, in this current situation. What does the world see and what do you see? Are you allowing Christ to show you what, what's going on? Are you filtering all these things through your own knowledge or are you filtering these things through Christ and the Bible? What do you see and what does the world see? What do you seek and what does the world seek? When I look at my life, is there, is there, can I tell the difference? Can I tell the difference between the things that I seek and the things that, the, the things I, the world seek and the things that I seek? As a Christian, are we seeking the same thing or are we seeking different things? And if we are, what is the base of them? Are they philosophies? Are they ideas? Are they knowledge? Because we think if we act in a certain way, if we talk in a certain way, if we do things in a certain way, then we're going to get the results that we need. Or are we saying that this is what the Bible says, this is what God says, and if I do it God's way, I'm going to get God's results? Is your walk with Christ part of a philosophy, or is it a lifestyle? Is it a lifestyle? Or is it a knowledge like if I do step one, two, three, four, five, then I can I can be a good Christian? Or is it a lifestyle that you are you you seek Christ and you want to live a life that that pleases Him? Colossians two twenty two twenty three understand the mystery plan which is Christ Himself. In Him lies hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's nothing wrong with seeking knowledge. There's nothing wrong with wrong with seeking uh, wisdom, but it's but through Christ Himself that we can get those treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let your roots grow deep in him. Your faith will grow strong in the truth, and you will, you will overflow with thankfulness and knowledge of Christ. See, what I love about God is he uses the weak to confound the strong. And I think, I think he does that intentionally because if we are strong and, and we, we have our own way, then it's so easy for us to say, I did this. And so he chooses the most unlike people. And he uses them. And then that confounds the strong. And at that point, these people start giving God the glory. First Corinthians 1.20 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put shame to the things which are might. Before Christ, you and I were slaves under the spiritual force of, of, of the world. And I know sometimes there are people who can say, yeah, you know, I have self-control. I have, I'm able to do this. But I think about my own life. I think about my own life when I, when I used to be out there partying and doing the things of the world. And I remember there will be nights when I'll go home and I'll, I'll be either drunk and I'll be like, man, I'll never drink again because I'm sick. And then I'll remember things that I did that I'm not happy, that I'm not happy that I did. And then the following day, I'll wake up in the morning, probably with the worst headache and hangover. And I'll be like, I'll never do this again. I am done completely. But four o'clock comes in and my friends call in. They're like, hey, man, what you doing? I'm just sleeping. Okay, we'll come over. And we're going to come over and go out. I'm like, no, I'm not. But as soon as they roll in like six o'clock, I'm like, yeah, let's go out. Let's go. See, we do not have the willpower to stop our sinful nature. We do not have any knowledge or, or wisdom to keep us away from all the things of the world. doesn't matter how strong you are. But it's only through Christ that we are able to. It's only through Christ that we are able to say, no, I don't want that. So how do we guard ourselves against the nonsense of men, if you want to say, or the, the high-sounding knowledge that leads us away from Christ? I'm glad you asked. 
Let's look at Joshua 6, 1 to 20. And uh, for most of you, you've heard the story of the wall of Jericho. Now, Jericho was a secure shut up, uh, was a security shut up because of the children of Israel. None of them went out and none of them came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given you Jericho in, the hand, in your hands, its king and the mighty men of Allah. You shall march around the city and all the men of Allah. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days and seven, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets on the ram horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall flat and the people shall go and every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark and the covenant. Let the seven priests bear seven trumps of the ram horns before the ark of, of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed to march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that, that the seven priests bearing the seven trumps and the ram horn before the Lord advanced and blew the horns and the ark and the covenant of the Lord followed them. The amen went before the priests who blew the trumpet, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpet. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed from your mouth until the day that I say you, you shout. Then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord, circled the city, going around it once. Then he came into the camp and lodged, uh, lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose up the following morning, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord, the seven priests bearing uh, seven trumps of ram horn before the ark of the Lord went to, went on continually and blew with the trumpet, blew with the blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, and the priests continued blowing the trumpet. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose, they rose early before the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. One on that day, only, them, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpet that the Joshua said to the people, Shout to the Lord, he has given you the city. Now the city shall be yours, doomed, uh, doomed by the Lord to destruction. It, and, it, and it and all who, who are in it. Only Rahab... Uh, um, yeah, only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and who are in their house, because she heard the message as they went. And you, by all means, abstain from uh, accusing things, lest you become accursed a, a um, when, you, when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed trouble. So, we have all heard the story of the wall of Jericho. What I love about it is Jericho was secure. Shut up because of the children of Israel. Nobody went in and nobody went out. It was a very, very strong place. It was, there was no way anybody could go in. It was something that nobody could overcome. And I know sometimes in our life that we feel the same way. Like we get battles and we, we get to a point where these things that we look at and you're like, man, there is no way this is going to happen. But what I love about it is because God had already said, he had said, I will give you that city. And so they go ahead and run march around the city for six, for six days. They, there is an order of how they're supposed to march. 
whoever is supposed to be in the front, the ark, the priest, and then the army in between. And then on the seventh day, they march around the city, but they march around the city seven times, and then they blow the horn just like God had commanded them, and the wall came down. This story can teach us so much. And the first thing that we see is they were asked to march together as one and in silence. Think about that. You have an army who, is, who are told to go in and march around the city while they are wearing their armor when they have their swords that they are going to a battle. Take that moment. Think about that. There are people who are used to killing and to destroy stuff, but this time around they are told, go ahead and put all your armor and then go around the city, but you're not going to do anything. We just need you to march around and be quiet. Trained killer who had to have self-control to restrain themselves. It was impossible to fight, to bring down the wall, because unless God was with them. They needed self-control. They needed self-control because God was asking them to do something different. And sometimes I look at my life and I wonder, how many times in my life have I lacked the self-control to have God do what he wanted to do in my life? I think about them when they are walking around day one, they are told they cannot speak. They cannot speak. They go around. Day two, they turn around. They can't speak. Six, five, six, seven days. What would have happened if on day five they decided that they were not going to speak? What if they decided that day six they were going to blow the trumpet? What if they decided that day seven but round five is when they're going to blow the trumpet? They would have done it in their own strength. But we see them marching together in silence because they had self-control. And that's what I feel like when, when, when Paul is talking to this Colossian church, he's telling them that even though there's so much coming your way, even though there's so much you guys are fighting, even though there is a lot of things that you're in a city where there's so much corruptions going on and so many bad things, if you do not, if you do not bear, if you don't listen to what the other people are saying, if you focus on Christ, then you're going to be okay. Because I think about when we only talk about the army going around the city, but we don't talk about the people who are inside the wall. They are watching these guys march around the city. At first, they think they're going to fight them. But then day two, day three, they are probably taunting them and, and asking them why they are silent. They are probably, we don't know if they are throwing stuff at them. We don't know what they were doing. But the thing is, if they are marching around the city, I'm sure there was so much destruction that was going through them. But they still kept silent. They were told you shall march around the city. The method of warfare was not, was not one that made absolute sense to them at all. Again, human intelligence, it totally depended on God. It also required great faith from Joshua because he had to explain to the leaders of the nation of the plan that was going on. It required great from the elders of the, in the nation because they had to follow what Joshua was doing in their plan. Joshua had to tell the priest because... Because um, what they were asked to do was unusual. Normally, the priest and the Ark of the Covenant did not go with the Israel to battle. God is going to ask you to do some things different. God is going to ask you to do things that are against our wisdom. 
God is going to ask us to, to do things that we've never done before because he is God and he has a plan for us. But if we do not listen, then we cannot bring any walls down in our life. If we decide that we need to take our arms and go do the same thing that we always do, this time they were fighting a different enemy. They were fighting a wall that could not be able to bring down. It took courage for Israel to do this. Israel was wide open to attack during this time. It would be easy for people of Jericho to attack them from high position. Yet, they still stayed true to what God had told them. Are you staying true to what God has told you no matter what's going on around you? It took endurance for Israel to do this, to march for six days. They had to persist even though they didn't see anything that was going on. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, round one, round two, round three, round four, round five, round six. Nothing is happening. But they had to hold on to God's truth. Because when they hold on to God's truth, they knew that God has said on the seventh time things are going to happen. And when we look at the Bible, what has God said in our life? He says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. Are we waiting until those moments or are we trying to do it in our own knowledge, in our own philosophy, in the things that we are? I believe that the reason why the Lord set these people out to do that. What is God asking you to do today? And then in this story, are you the priest? Are you the guard? Are you in the front? Are you in the back? What is your position right now? You know, I look at uh, what's going on right now with the, with the riots and, and uh, all the different movements and stuff like that. And it, it's so easy for us to speak and say what we want, what our fresh wants. It's so easy for us to stand in a certain way because we look in a different way or we sound, in a different, in a, in, we sound different or we, we support this and that. But my question is, what position are you supposed to be? Are you supposed to be the front guarding the ark that's behind you? Are you supposed to be carrying the ark? Are you supposed to be in the back? Are you supposed to be blowing the trumpet? What position are you? And how can we know what position we are unless we ask him who sees everything before us? He who has us in his hands. He who covers us. He who takes care of us. What position are you? The next time that I, that I sit in front of a computer and I want to respond to a Facebook post because somebody said that I didn't like Somebody is taunting me, like same thing like the people of Jericho were probably taunting uh, the Israelites. Am I going to go in and speak? Or am I going to be silent no matter what's going on? Am I going to walk in my position where God has called me? Because the Bible says that when the wall came down, the men rushed in and destroyed that. So at what point are you going to know what God has called you to do? I'm sure when the, if you are a priest, they know that when, when the war fell down, they stepped away and the, the, army, the army did what they needed to do. Same thing when the priests were carrying uh, the ark and blowing the trumpets, the army stayed still. So what's your position today? In everything that's going on in the world today, what is your position? And I know you're probably like, I don't know. See God. Ask him. Ask him what's your position. So then now you're not doing things that you're not supposed to do. I see a lot of people on social media wanting to affect change. Do you have the power to bring down the wall on your own post or, or to shout? Do you want God to be with you? Do you have the discipline to do what God is asking you to do? 
Are you willing to follow God's lead and march together as one as a church for his, for his glory? Are you willing to be silent and let him do the work even though you feel that there is something you should, God, you should do? If so, then wait for his instruction. Know which day you are on. Know whether you are day one or you are day seven and know which round you are in. How is your prayer life today? How is your Bible reading? Are you a master of praying? Are you a master of reading the Bible? Are you a master of social media looking at everything that flows in and trying to filter it and make it, make it sound whichever you want? Are we spending time with God or are we just listening to all these philosophies and knowledge and all these news, pod, uh, uh, these news people who are telling you what things are going to come and, and how they analyze things? Or are we taking time to learn from God? I was reading the book, um, remember the other fat, broke and poor, and it says, it talks about self-control. It says, this would mean that the believer authority and dominion in Christ must begin with ourselves. If you cannot master yourself, you're probably not going to master your life, and you can probably forget about commanding the mountain or the walls to come down. If we do not master ourselves, which is self-control, if we do not have self-control, there is no way we are going to be able to master our life, and there is no way these walls are going to come down. It doesn't matter what it is. There is no way you're going to be able to listen to what God is, what is, God is telling you. First Timothy 6.20 says, O Timothy, God, what, what, committed, what was committed to, uh, to your trust? Avoid profane, idle babbling and contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge by professing it to some who have strayed concerning the faith. And then Ephesians 3.17 says, That may Christ dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and guarded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of Christ. It's only in Christ that we can get that fulfillment of knowledge. It's only in Christ that we can get, we can get to be in the right path. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today, God. Lord, I pray for your church, O King of Glory, God, that we don't become people that are swayed by the wind on the right and the left, people who are moved from different directions to the other. We, we hear shouting on this side and we head towards their God and we, we abandon our post and we abandon the call that you've called us, O King of Glory, God. Lord, there's a lot of that going on right now, Father. Hold us back, O King of Glory. Hold us back, O King of Glory, God. Let us wait, Father, for the time, Lord, where, where you tell us when to shout, Father, because it's only when you shout with us, O King of Glory, that the walls can come down, O God. It's not when we try to do it on our own way, O God. I pray for your people t- tonight, O King of Glory, Father, that your, your spirit may come and comfort us, O God, because it's when our hearts are in turmoil and when our hearts are desperate and our hearts are, have no peace, O God, that we are easily distracted, O King of Glory, and we easily go to look for other stuff that are not, that are not of you, God. I pray, mighty King of Glory, God, that Jehovah God, you may speak to your people today, O God, that you may touch their hearts, O God, and let them focus on you. Seek knowledge from you and not seek knowledge from, from the traditions and the things that they, they carry, O King of Glory, Lord. We praise you and we honor you, Lord. If you're out there and you do not know Christ, you haven't given your heart to Christ, 
you have no, you don't have the capacity to be able to do the things of God, or even avoid all these things unless you give your Christ. So I'm inviting you to give your life to Christ. Ask him into your heart. Tell him, Lord, I cannot do this without me. You created me. I cannot do this without you. Receive him in your heart. And if you make, make that, that request and that prayer, just um, click on, um, send us a message so we can pray with you and send you some messages. Have a good um, have a good Wednesday, and remember tomorrow is worship nights. Come out in uh, at the city hall in Auburn, and let's worship. Have a good day.